0: Welcome to our podcast series from the Global Critical Philosophy of Religion Project. This project aims to rethink the philosophy of religion from the ground up, with an entirely new set of categories and questions. As you may imagine, this is no small task. The interview series on teaching is created by Nathan Lowen. The interviews are supported by a grant from the Wabash Center. All of the podcasts you find here on the Global Critical Philosophy of Religion are hosted by Study Religion a production of the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Alabama. How might philosophy of religion be taught and studied in the 21st century? Garion Kopp is a professor of East Asian religions and philosophy of religion at Luther College. Dr. Kopp is currently developing a multi-entry philosophy as well as a non-essentialist philosophy of mind and identity formation. He is also the principal investigator of a Wabash Center grant to develop strategies for teaching philosophy of religion inclusively to diverse students. This podcast series was created by support from Dr. Kopf's grant. In our conversation, I asked, what is the multi-entry approach, and how does it influence teaching the philosophy of religion? Professor Kopf, you have talked about something called a multi-entry approach, in fact you have some forthcoming publications with that in the title. What is the multi-entry approach?
1: The Melta Entry approach um, developed in the context of a seminar at the American Academy of Religion. It was a five-year seminar um, called Global Critical Philosophy of Religion that combined um that combined many scholars from working in different in the different traditions, trained in a variety of methodology. One of the products is um, the forthcoming textbook by Timothy Knepper, um, Philosophy of Religion A Global Critical Approach. Another product is my um, co-edited volume, co-edited with um, Professor Purushottam tanbili um utilizing the approach that I developed, the so-called multi-entry approach.
0: Okay, and so you say that you are committed to globalizing philosophy in order to have more voices engaging in the philosophical discourse. How does the multi-entry approach do that?
1: Um, it does it in in in, in three different ways. Um, up to let's say the roughly the 80s um, of the the last century, um, the way philosophy of religion was taught at the, at the academia was mostly Christocentric and, and Eurocentric, including obviously um, the adaptation of European thought in North America. So, but in the 80s, then people started including sources from multiple traditions. And that's what I would call actually a globalizing approach is to to still take the same framework, the same question, the tri-philosophy of religion, but now look for answers in a variety of text sources all over the world.
0: So where do the multiple
1: entries come from? So um, to get to the multiple entries, is, is, um, the globalizing approach is still a single entry approach because it has one narrative, it has one structure. In response to to that, we have post-colonial approaches that that critique that globalizing approach and said we we need to engage um, different not only different texts, but also methodologies from different traditions. The approach that I am suggesting, the multi-entry approach, is a middle path between the the globalizing and the decolonizing approaches. That's what I sometimes also call the cosmopolitan approach, and so the, the multiple entries are actually different narratives on how to do philosophy or religion. They come from, the- theoretically, they come from multiple methodologies, but also from multiple traditions, from multiple cultural contexts all over the world.
0: And so how do you get
1: these multiple
0: entries to interact with each other?
1: So that is then, um, again, an echo of the, 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 the global... <laughs> The the globalizing approach, the echo of the, the decolonizing approach is to have the multiple voices from multiple contexts. So um, I would like to avoid the idea of having one master narrative. So each chapter, each approach in the text, in the book, each chapter, but in a conversation, each approach. Um, formulates its own approach in response to a set of questions which are formulated extremely general Um, what is your methodology what is your approach what is your historical context what is your terminology of how to envision what in english we call philosophy of religion has it worked so um we are right now working we had a workshop last year in in august we are now working on finishing um editing our book Um, It it seems to work, and what makes it interesting is that you not only have those multiple entries and then people stay separated, Is that in a second step, um, theoretically, all approaches engage each other. That means that if you have, for for example, a monotheistic approach, then what has been done in the past will engage, for example, a Yoruba approach on its terms. But at the same time, you have... Um, or Yoruba approach developed within that cultural philosophical context, engaging, for example, Christian monotheism on its own terms. So you have a, a, a multi-log, then if you have multiple partner, a multi-log of um, different narratives, different approaches, engaging each other.
0: And so you're a professor in the Department of Religion at Luther College. Yes. And you do teach mostly undergraduate courses. Do you teach courses on philosophy of religion?
1: I have one course on philosophy of religion that is called God, Self and the Afterlife.
0: Okay. And do you use this multi-entry approach with your students?
1: I've been starting to use it. So the practical issue is that um, if we teach the traditional way, you have one professor writing one syllabus using a couple of selected textbooks, hopefully anthologies, you still have a major narrative. The syllabus combine, um, provides a, a, a major narrative. The way I try to break it is um, very um, explicitly to have multiple speakers come in from different tradition and um, engaging the students on their terms. Um, a second way of, of doing that is actually um, in... Not having one outline, even though obviously there's a course of the semester that starts at the beginning, has a midterm and then a final, but actually have within the within the semester of multiple breaks where we start from scratch again, um, um, looking at a different issue, looking at a different methodology, looking at a different um, um, looking looking from a different from a different tradition, and in all those. In, and in every section itself, we also have multiple texts engaging each other. So, if we, for example, look at the cosmos, we first have a more Eurocentric approach, looking at visions of ultimate reality in theistic language. Then we're looking at um, the cosmos as developed from different traditions, but using the language developed in India, in the Indian Darshanas, in the Indian um, rational ways of engaging um, the absolute. So we actually then using in class different languages to to work on the same issue.
0: And so I know that we don't have any students in this interview, but how did the students respond? Maybe even more interestingly, what sorts of outcomes or assignments do the students produce?
1: There are a couple of different outcomes the students produce. There is the traditional response paper where students respond to a given text. Um, There are debates where we in class have different, um, either standpoints from different traditions or or different philosophical positions or different methods engaging each other. Um, And then there is um, a final project that's hopefully open enough that people, students are, are flexible to, to embrace the position they encountered in class they find most intriguing. So 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 that is in terms of um, student outcomes. The responses have been mostly positive, and um, students cherish um actually engaging traditions and positions and methodologies they haven't heard about it at all before the class.
0: What is the composition of your courses? Are your students taking this as a humanities credit? Are they taking it as philosophy students? Where do the students in your classroom come from?
1: Most of the students in my class taking it for to satisfy a general education religion requirement. Then we have students who are philosophy majors, then we have students who are religion majors so that's in in that class the the basic um yeah um demographics in terms of curriculum
0: and i'm interested to know what happens after the students take your course do you hear from them again
1: the majority um disappear back into the student body, <laughs> but then there are students that engage. Some of them come back and say, I really liked actually, I just had talked to one student who really liked, um, a book that I used to, to augment, um, Tim Nepper's book. It's, um, Carl Becker, um, talking about near death experience, um, and using them to develop a new philosophy of science, <laughs> um, talking about criteria, um, Epistemic criteria for um how to talk about near death and afterlife phenomena. <laughs> and so that student came up to me and said that's very exciting. She's a neuroscience student, she wants to now do an independent study on on looking at neuroscience and philosophy of mind approaches to those phenomena. Um like near-death experience, alter state of consciousness, and so forth. So there are those students who who then come for um, upper-level work um, at Luther College, mostly in independent studies, because most of our courses are, at least in our department, the religion department, are very much on a general education level.
0: I'll ask three more questions, or perhaps only two more. (laughs) Who do you want to read or learn about the multi-entry approach?
1: Ideally speaking, everyone, but um obviously there are <laughs> there are different audiences, and that's why I've been packaging it um my my essay that I wrote for this amazing forthcoming book on um philosophy of religion around the world, global critical approaches <laughs> to uh, critical approaches and so I'm packaging that for multiple audience because I think there are multiple. People can use it in different ways. Um, firstly, um, obviously, there's an academic audience. I would like um, people who teach philosophy or religion in an academic setting to um, expand the horizon by actually by engaging and op- and hopefully working through a multiplicity approaches and, and not only um, study. Um, for example, to stay to stay with my early example, Yoruba philosophy from a Christian perspective or from a religious studies perspective, which is still an outside perspective right or or Yoruba perspective, but also then um, reverse the, the gaze and then then look at religious studies methods from a Yoruba perspective or at Christian theology from a Yoruba perspective so that 's my first audience. My second audience is um, to apply that for for people who struggle with with diversity cultural diversity philosophical diversity ideological diversity or religious diversity to to give a tool and um, to give a tool to that allows us to engage various traditions without having to deny ours but also without the temptation of juxta, uh, of superimposing um, our view and others, and or juxtaposing, saying east-west. I think that 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 binary doesn't work at all. Um, creating those counterfactual binaries, and in order to yeah safeguard one's own position, tradition, methodology. So those are the two main audiences, and um, I also am working on. In increasing and, and enlarging the perspective to have a multidisciplinary conversation in there to include, um, for example, neuroscientists, philosophers and um, various disciplines at the same table, again, in such a way that we don't superimpose our, our methodologies, that don't we exclude other methodologies, but it's more an inclusive engagement.
0: Who do you think won't read your book or won't adopt the multi-entry approach? Who do you think will not adopt the multi-entry approach?
1: I think that there are two possible um, candidates who may reject the multi-entry approach. The first one is, is um, people who, who think that um, um, who are content with with their methodology with their position, and do not feel the need of engaging others and also and I don't want this to come across the the wrong way um I don't want to use the word laziness, but generally we academics are really stressed out we have a lot of things going on um for the people who are not in academics it's not only teaching it's research it's committee works it's administrative work and After, for example, teaching a course for 20 years to actually step back and say, now I embrace a completely new approach, takes a lot of work and time and also um, emotional investment. So I I understand if people say it has worked for 20 years, so it's sort of a practical being contentedness with my approach. It has worked for 20 years. I don't see the need to expand.
0: Are there any resources out there for those time-strapped, busy uh, instructors and professors of philosophy or religious studies? Are there opportunities for people to engage with others on the multi-entry approach? How might we overcome some of those barriers and, and entertain this proposal that you're making?
1: So, overall, our, the larger group that, that we are in, the Global Critical Philosophy of Religion group, um, is working on a series of publications. So, you have Tim Napra's textbook, you have um, Billy Moria's and mine um, edited volume, sort of as a teaching manual on the Malta entry approach. Um, we're having other works in pro- in 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 the process of being in various stages of the publication process um, that provide sort of a larger background. Um, our website um, provides um, a network of experts, so it's very that it makes it easier to say, "Hey, I don't know about that tradition. I don't know about that methodology, but now since we're all used to Zoom, it's easier to invite people and so it's an it's an ongoing um work and process of expanding resources and, and also um one thing that our group is talking about is making more translation available so that you don't need to um be an expert in 10 20 languages to <laughs> teach that kind of approach but again i think the multi entry approach is is in is in multi participants abroad. So that's why I think that the network of experts is extremely important that we can um, call on people and say, hey, would you through Zoom come to my class and talk about that tradition or that position or that methodology that I'm not as familiar with. Okay.
0: Well, thanks for your time so much, uh, Dr. Geryonkopf, for joining us all the way from Decorah, Iowa at Luther College. We look forward to your future publications and hearing more from you about the multi-entry approach.
1: Thank you very much for your invitation and for our conversation.
0: Thanks for listening. For more information about the Global Critical Philosophy of Religion project, please visit our website at globalcritical and that's all one word.as.ua.edu There you will find our participating scholars, publications, sponsors, projects, and contact information. Study Religion is a production of the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Alabama. For more information about our department, please visit the website at religion.ua.edu. Or you can search for our department on Twitter, Instagram, Vimeo, Facebook, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts or Spotify
1: podcasts. Thanks. Goodbye.